This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, and welcome to Sex, Psychics, and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom, and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at the Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. I am thrilled to welcome the renowned herbalism teacher, Marisha Mianowska. Marisha started the California chapter of the Gaia School of Healing, and she's now the founder of the online school of the Sacred Wild. Marisha is also the author of The Witch's Herbal Apothecary. She's a regenerative gardening consultant, and she created the next level beauty serum called Sacred Ritual. I'm hoping she's going to give us a discount code at the end of this podcast. Probably depends on whether my questions are any good. <laughs> so, for you, briefly. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Briefly, Marisha is one of the most inspiring women and teachers I know. She's a conduit to community, nature, and healing. Three things, by the way, we couldn't need more of right now. I've been trying to get her on this podcast for about two years, and I'm so delighted to finally share her with you. Today, we're going to talk about plants and health, plants and intimacy, plants and sex, hopefully, and no doubt the wider and wilder picture of the nature of humans and the nature of nature. Gosh, quite a lot to get into. Welcome, Risha. <laughs> All things delicious. Thank you so much for having me here. It's such a pleasure to be here. Wonderful to have you and just a bit about our past and and how I found you. It's a bit of a dicey story, actually, because I was in a therapy session with one of my clients and I was thinking to myself, damn, she's really got this glow on. Could it be my work with her? What's what's working? You know, you always want to know what's working, not just what isn't. And in the end, I just said it. I was like, okay, what's going on? You really seem to have shifted, you know? And she said, well, actually, I've been meaning to tell you I've been working with this wonderful green goddess plant teacher called Marisha. And as soon as she told me about you, not only was I thrilled for her, but actually I just straight out wanted to meet you. And that's a dicey moment as a therapist, because technically you're not supposed to like pound your clients with tips (laughs) and information, right? It's not supposed to be about you. It's supposed to be about them. But I like to think it's supposed to be about all of us. But I said, you know what? She sounds amazing. I'd really like to meet her. Would you be comfortable connecting us? And she said, I'd love to. She was very generous about it. And I called you up and I was like, I don't know. I just have a good feeling. I want to hear more. And we started talking about plants. And one of the first plants we talked about was nettles. And it sort of gave me a chill because nettles took me straight back to my childhood running around in the highlands of Scotland. And and nettles were really a big part of life, you know, getting stung by nettles, but also I was fascinated by them and I knew you could eat them. So I was a little witch in the highlands of Scotland making nettle soup (laughs) out in California after a lifetime in sort of Hollywood. I'd forgotten about the the green witch inside of me and, and you helped me 
reconnect to her. And she's, she's one of my archetypes and certainly others, but, but that was very valuable to me. And then I did a plant course with you where we meditated with different plants and it really lit me up both in terms of sort of reconnecting to my child self and the part of me that really, you know, is in awe at nature um, and in love with nature. And, and also this idea that, wow, there's, there are these communities being built now in the, in the adult you know, now world that are all about this and that are turning women on. I mean, I know it's women and men now too, but, you know, at the time, I think it was more women, you know, onto this sort of new way of being on the planet. So super stoked about all of that. So let's start with nettles. What's your connection? I love, I love how you shared that and, you know, your connection to nettles and how nettles brought you back to this part of yourself that maybe was dormant or forgotten. And I feel like she has that gift. She, you know, actually our ancestors maybe be being nettles. Nettles, yes. Be being nettles. Thank you. We call we call her she. Okay. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. But she does have that gift. You know, our ancestors used to make clothes out of nettles. So she's also a fiber plant and 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 she weaves us back into relationship with the earth. She weaves us back into relationship with this kind of wild, thriving, vital energy that can so often get dulled or tamed or swished um, in modern life. So, you know, it's, it's really sweet to kind of feel that kind of inner child be remembered and, and that coming back to wholeness. I feel the plants do this for us all the time. They help us remember and embody parts of ourselves that are so much more vast than the way that we are allowed to be in the 3D daily way, you know? Um, and so for me, Nettles also has this really ancestral, familial connection. My great-grandmother taught me about Nettles. It was the first plant I ever learned about when I was still living Wait, in... Wait, where were you geographically when you were being taught about it? I was living in Warsaw in Poland. I, that's where I was born. And she was showing me just like through the sidewalk cracks in, in the city how to pick it. And so, you know, there was a way where that the teachings of my grandmothers and, and, you know, the wise woman tradition of healing that I'm rooted in is often considered to be this very invisible tradition because it's often held by women and it's held by people who are not announcing it or, or connecting it to their profession or even making money off of it. It's, it's the tradition of folk medicine, of folk healers, of the grandmothers, the aunties, the, the women who know. And every village has these women, you know, every family has these women and often their medicine is invisible. You know, it can be the medicine of, of a deeply nourishing soup, you know, which, which brings us back to health when we're sick, or it can be the medicine of a girlfriend who makes you a cup of tea and, and really listens when you're heartbroken. It's, it's these forms of medicine that can often go unnoticed. And, and so it was unnoticed for me. And, you know, and it wasn't until much later in my 20s, actually, um, that I came back to nettles and, and folk medicine and this um, tradition of, of working with wild weeds that are abundant and that are so nutritive and healing and magical. I love what you're saying. I love this idea of invisible medicine. And also I think about it in relationship to, uh, you know, my work with psychedelics and plant medicine. And obviously, you know, these plants are, are getting a lot of attention 
And, um, you know, I'm about to go to a huge psychedelics conference, you know, that world is blowing up and everyone now talks about ayahuasca and a lot of people are learning about iboga and they're these really big, heavy hitters. And what my work with you was starting to turn me on to and what you were just saying was reinforcing is that there's this actually a much, much, much bigger world of amazing medicine that is sort of more of a, like an unsung hero, you know, heroine, right? It's, it's, it's wider, it's wilder, it's weedier, it's more invisible, it's yeah. more gnarly, it's less glamorous and therefore maybe more cool. You know, I think it's really, really interesting in, in the light of what's happening. Yeah, it's, it's a rich place to go into. You know, there are so many kind of interesting ways where we can look at the two side by side and both are tremendous teachers. You know, all plants hold medicine of the earth and, and of our ancestors and, and have guidance for us for how to be on the earth. But there is, I think, a lot of, of places that we can get a lot of juiciness out of this kind of looking at them side by side. And, and one of them is that those kind of, um, you know, shamanic master plants, as they're sometimes called, although to me, really, nettles and the wild weeds are all master shamanic plants. But some of those more powerful psychedelic plants, they're often intended to be used more rarely. And they're often part of their medicine can be this like catalyst medicine. But we live in a culture that doesn't hold us in the way that the communities do where they're typically communed with. And so, you know, if you're in the Peruvian Amazon or, or in an indigenous culture and you're drinking this medicine, the next day, it's like, you're still with all the same people that were there. And if you had, you know, something that was dark or difficult, um, the community holds you and they see you the next day and the following day. And you're probably continuing to, to consume medicine and to be in that inquiry of what the conversation is with the plant. And, you know, as plant medicine um, kind of lands in this very capitalist culture that we live in, what happens is, is people can be sometimes blasted open and then they're kind of, it's kind of like, okay, bye, see you, see you, maybe never. And so often I've heard and witnessed people who don't have a place to turn to, don't have proper integration, don't have community that is holding them. And when we're doing any spiritual, emotional healing work, I mean, you know this more than anyone, we need to be held in a container of unconditional safety and consistency. And, and the wild weeds and, and the really abundant, nourishing plants do that for us. They are all so deeply nutritive that they flood our body with the vibration of, of the wild earth, of flood us with all the minerals and vitamins and enzymes that we need. And consequently, like our physical being relaxes. And some of those voices that sometimes in us are causing anxiety because maybe we're not getting the optimal nutrition and vitality that we need, those parts are like, oh, I'm, I'm held, I'm nourished. And spiritually, those plants are, are like the root chakra of the earth. They are abundant. They are the medicine that the earth is like, here is all the metal in the world and feel free to harvest and eat me, consume me, you know, and, and like there will be more versus ayahuasca and other plants are, are endangered. They're, they're becoming more and more endangered. Uh, yeah, I love what you're saying. Yeah. And, and for people who are not familiar with the, the chakra systems, you know, sort of root chakra is, you know, it's, it's the, the baseline chakra and it's all about the sense of security and sort of deeper, deeper connection. And, you know, if that's out of balance, which 
is basically in the world, you know, you suffer from instability and scarcity. And, and I think you're making a really good point because you can have these kind of amazing experiences on the heavy hitter plants and then get kind of blown out. And those are much more kind of like heart and third eye kind of experiences. So much more like the higher levels of the chakra system. And there's a lot of very high vibrations. But if you don't have that support on the lower levels, and I've experienced this personally, because I tend to do everything inside out in my life. <laughs> um, my journey is like a slow coming back into the body, you know, slow coming back into that, you know, and really re reinforcing that sense of safety and stability and learning how to do that. Mm. I think that's very important for us and particularly as women to be able to support ourselves in that way. And yeah, I love the idea that the plants in abundance can do that. And I think of them sort of lying low, close to the ground mm -hmm. and, you know, connection with the actual earth. Mm -hmm. Okay, so hope we've got a bit of a sense of, of the root chakra. And I just want to go a little bit further with this because I think it's actually really important. What are you noticing in these groups of women? And, and is the root chakra what people are needing and looking for? What are people needing and looking for? And how are they growing through this work with you? Mm, I love that question. Um, I definitely believe that there is a common trend that all of us are needing deep nourishment and kind of a stitching back um, our root chakra. And, and like you said, the root chakra is that place where we develop safety in the body. And if we don't have safety in the body, and if we don't have trust in our relationship with the earth and with a source of nourishment and with knowing that we belong, then that disharmony trickles up to all the other chakras. Our, our heart can't be so open because we're actually in a state of contraction. Our, our sacral chakra, our yumminess, like the parts of us that that can actually totally release into places of ecstasy. We can't do that if we don't have that solid root that's holding us and a trust in ourselves that we have good boundaries and that, you know, that we can resource. Um, our solar plexus, the, the, the place associated with our power, our individuality, um, our unique gifts, um, action in the world. You know, if we don't have that healthy root where we know the ecosystem that we belong to, the world we belong to, that we know that we belong and that we know that we're in a reciprocal relationship where we are not causing harm, then if we don't have that, then it's very hard for us to really shine our gifts because we're constantly doubting ourselves and doubting the impact that they're having on the environment because we don't have that relationship with, with all that is. So yes, I think the root chakra is you know, all of us modern people desperately need to work on our root. And what I've learned over, you know, decades of doing this work is that our work in the root is never done. You know, the heart chakra, right, is this place where we, we can sometimes connect and get a glimpse of oneness with God. And it's, of course, what all mystics and seekers are, are, you know, and poets. I mean, that's what we're all striving for. But it's never meant to be something that's maintained, really, you know, you know, maybe when we transition into another life. But in this human life, you know, we're blessed if we have some of those moments of transcendence, of, of having our heart so open that we feel the oneness. But our root, our root is the, is the chakra that really needs just consistency. And kind of like the, the unglorious work, like the stuff that's like, oh man, like I have to like drink my teas every day, eat my greens every day, or like take out the trash every day. Like it's the consistent mundane showing up for the tending that 
allows the root to thrive. And, and so you can kind of equate it to like a garden. You know, you don't plant a beautiful garden and then be like, oh my God, it's great. I'm going to leave it now and stop watering. The garden requires daily watering and daily tending. And, and that's what we need. And that relationship with the earth, with our communities, with that, that kind of conversation with really kind of all the web of relationship, like what are all of our roles and responsibilities? It's a, it's a realm that really does require kind of daily tending and presence for it to be abundant and thriving and a place of richness that, that fruits and blooms and composts itself and allows us to thrive. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. What comes up for me is, I mean, a couple of things. One is just like the bigger picture of like, of course, we don't feel safe. The earth itself can't feel safe. I mean, look what we've done and look how disconnected we are on so many levels. Yeah. So I guess I just, you know, I want to validate the feelings of unsafety that exist, you know, whether it's unsafety on the planet, unsafety in the body, unsafety in relationship. I mean, Safety is such a huge topic, you know, therapeutically speaking, something that, you know, certainly I always come back to with other people and in my own experience. Um, so I think, you know, on the one hand, let's validate, yeah. you know, how normal it is to feel unsafe. And, and, and some people have never really f- felt safe, you know, for various reasons, you know, and that goes more into sort of the relational early attachment, stuff like that. Um, so we've got the, you know, the global level we've got of, of safety, right? And then we've got the, you know, the kind of interpersonal level of safety. And then we've got sort of intrapsychic safety and stuff like that. So, okay, many ways in which we can feel unsafe that are valid. And there's something we can do about it. Um, I mean, I think there are lots of things that we can do about it. But the way I see it is if you haven't really felt safe in your life, it doesn't mean you never can. And is it a fake it till you make it? I don't know. But I think, you know, having an intention to find that new experience, to map that new experience, to know that it's possible, to know that it's ex- that it, it exists. I think for me, you know, nature has been the biggest ally on that. It's provided me with moments where I can relax and think, oh, it's not just all about me. I can let myself go. And, and that's just from, you know, going for a walk and, you know, in the trees, amongst the trees. Like, oh, Oh, I don't have to carry it all. Yes. The feeling of being held. So uh, can you speak, I mean, if you agree, can you speak to that a bit more? If you don't agree, tell me why, you know, um, how, how can we generate more safety? Yes. Oh my gosh. I mean, a thousand percent, I agree. And want us all to relax in the knowing that it is completely healthy and normal for us to not feel fully safe in the environments that we live in right now. And it's, I think it's actually being with the realness that allows us to then create authentic safety down the line, because the reality is, yeah, our earth is hurting. And, you know, <laughs> like here, we live in California, you and I, and, and when I, when the wildfires come, it's like, you can't help but feel it in your body. You can't help but feel the the nervous system of the wild animals and the contraction of everybody and the fear, like, of course, we're feeling what is occurring on the planet right now. And, and we're in this, this intense, pivotal time. And then what you mentioned too, like our culture, you know, so many of us who don't come from intact villages, which is most of us, um, don't know what safe community feels like, you know, capitalism, and especially among women teaches us that we need to compete 
teaches us that, you know, our whole culture is based around individuality where you have to be like the lone unsung hero or sung hero, actually. And, and there's no comfort in just belonging. And, and so, so absolutely the territory that we're in, and that's kind of why this is the work of our times. You know, we can't heal the earth without healing our relationship to the earth. And we can't heal our root without coming into intimacy with the earth and bringing our sorrows, bringing our fears, bringing our burdens and laying them on the earth and asking for help and guidance and and really welcoming the voice of the non-human to guide us. So you're kind of encouraging more of a, um, it sounds like more of a conversation. It's like sort of maybe suspending disbelief, right? If you haven't had a lot of experience with plants, it's like, oh, there's a sentience, there's a real life in in nature that we can be in conversation with and we can truly share from our hearts. Yeah. And, and are we answered? How does it work? Yeah. How does, how does intimacy with, you know, nature work, oh, really? I, I mean, love that. Break it down. <laughs> yes, I will break it down. I mean, we can really, you know, just draw on our own experiences of how do we create relationship with humans that are that are relationships that work, right? And so a big part of it is like showing up and actually giving our full presence. So, you know, if you go on a walk with the intention of connecting to the living beings around you that are non-human, then if you're like listening to a podcast and like kind of lost in your thoughts or talking on the phone, well, then you're not actually showing up to that relationship. You're, you're distracting yourself. And of course, like I love walking with podcasts, you know, if that's your intention, great. But for a relationship, you know, to work, we have to show up and be present. And that's another, like one of the biggest challenges of all of us modern people, right? And then the other thing we can look at is how am I in relationship with people and how can I relate that to nature? It can be talking. Like you can befriend a tree. Like if you have a tree in your yard, you know, it can seem silly. You might start being like, oh my gosh, this is so embarrassing, but try it. Try it going and sitting down, bringing a cup of tea for yourself, offering some tea at the base of the tree and just sit and unload your burdens, like talk from your heart. It is so profound. It is so profound because there's just a way that we can actually talk and commune and, and unload to the non-human that we can't do with humans. Like humans, bless their hearts, give us feedback, have their judgments. <laughs> They're like instantly like, you know, processing in a totally different way. There's a way that we can actually yeah, talk. Uh, one of my favorite rituals is I call it the earth whispering ritual. And whenever my heart is heavy or whenever I feel like this, this tender prayer in my heart that feels so precious and I want to plant it like as a witch, as a magical being, I do this ritual for both the two different kind of scenarios, but I go into nature with this intention and I carry whatever I'm carrying. And, and I go in with this intention of, of asking the earth if I can give this to her. And I find a place, you can do this in your backyard. And I lay with my belly on the earth and I spend some time just laying with my belly on the earth. That right there, boom, co-regulating our nervous system with nature is another way that we can begin that conversation. It does not have to be a verbal conversation at all. Like laying on the beach, putting your belly, your like there's something powerful about having your belly on the grass, on the earth, just resting, resting in nature. 
breathing with, with the plants. But in this ritual, I start by laying with my belly on the earth. And then I ask the earth as a sentient being, may I open your body? May I open your flesh? And if I feel a yes, then I dig a little hole kind of at the level of my mouth and my nose. And I take this little hole and I feel like a little kid, parts of me that are not alive in my normal daily life come alive. And I'm digging this hole and then I place my mouth and my nose in the earth and I lay my third eye and my face just on the ground and I breathe in her smell, which is so healing. It feels like you're burrowing your face into the bosom of, of this mother that you've maybe never experienced this kind of safe mother bring from a real mother. And then I speak to her and either I like unload and, and, and tell her my burdens and ask her to compost them, to take them because she can do that. Or I, I plant my seeds. I, I plant my intentions. I, I plant my most precious prayers. And then I give gratitude to her for letting me open her body and I bury it. This ritual is kind of an example of something that I think Tantra teaches us a lot about, which is weaving our energy, making our, our energy more vast than just this isolated body. And to weave in that intimate way, in whatever way you feel called, like there's just no right or wrong. Just to be in the presence and in the intimacy and in the exchange with the non-human and the natural world is just one of the most transformative thing I've seen in the thousands of people that I've worked with. Gosh, that ritual really, I mean, I was like soothed and turned on at the same yeah. time. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, so good, so good. Wow, wow, I love that. And um, I was also thinking about if you live in a very urban area, and unfortunately, there are places where there aren't that many trees and you can't access it. You know, it's hard to access a patch of earth. Or maybe there's a communal patch of earth and you wouldn't feel comfortable like, you know, sticking your nose in it in front of everyone else who's going about their business on, the, on that particular day. I mean, could we do this, you know, with a, with a pot plant? Could we just like stick a finger in a, like the earth of a pot plant and dream with it. I mean, totally. how, how scalable is this technology? It's, it's very scalable. I mean, you know, scientists show that breathing soil, it has such an antidepressant effect. There are microbes in the soil that are, that are necessary. And that, if you look at it from like spiritually, I mean, it's just clearly telling us that the earth is part of us and that there's parts of her that we need in order to feel happy. And so again, like anything that takes us out of isolation and, and, and intimate, tangible communion. So yeah, you can even just like go get a little bit of soil and put it in a bowl and have it on your altar, you know, and, and touch it or smell it, connect with it, plant seeds. But in the urban areas, you know, we can connect to the sun and the moon in that way. And there's a way that like when sun is, is streaming into your apartment, if you can like get naked and open up your legs and receive like sunning your yoni. I mean, talk about intimacy with the non-human and closing your eyes. Okay, just, just a word, just a word here on yoni for anyone who doesn't know, pussy, vulva. Yes, all those good things. Right, all of those good things. But yeah, sun between your legs. Yeah, or moonlight. Sign me up, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, moonlight, yeah. yeah. So wait, how do you do that? You have to be out in a full moon? Yeah, in a full moon or if you just have a, you know, close to full, if it's really bright, if it's pouring into your window, you know, there are ways that you can, that you can kind of, um, 
you know, not be seen by neighbors. If you're like on your floor, usually they can't see you, but you could be like under the, the, so there are ways that you can really kind of connect and commune with, with the earth, with the moon. If you're in like a high rise apartment building. Yeah. And, or even just, you know, a lot of like therapists these days. And I wonder if this is something that you, you use as well. We'll tell people to just kind of look out the window and just look at a tree you know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's so healing to just look at something that's alive and green and non-human and not built and hospitals that have greenery and even photos of, um, landscapes and forests. There's like a much higher healing rate. But what that's really telling us is that we need nature and nature needs us. And I think that is another piece that's really healing to the root chakra is we've been told this lie that us humans are, you know, a virus or a cancer on the planet. And, and when we feel that, you know, even if we're not diehard environmentalists, there's a part of us that goes into contraction and pain. And, and it's hard to be in the world if you're like, oh my God, my mere presence is causing harm. And, and talk about guilt. Yeah. Right? And that's yeah. a lie. Yeah. That's a lie. You know, we, is it though? I really do believe it. So. Yeah. If, if humans are actually living in the way that we're meant to be living, which is far from the way that we are now, but us humans are magical beings and we can be a powerful force of healing, of magic, of regeneration, of, of creativity, of beauty. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen in our, in our culture on the planet. And we actually need people (laughs) to do it. We need the people to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess there are things that people can do that trees can't do. Not many, but there's a few (laughs) things that we can do. Yeah, no, I agree with you. What keeps coming up for me? And this is so abstract. Forgive me, audience. I think Marcia Marcia can be able to handle this, but, but I keep thinking about dreaming, you know, Mm. dreaming into being and, you know, using our imaginations to map out more beautiful visions of the future on on both a personal and collective level. Does nature hear us dream? How do you see dreaming in this picture? Mm. Yeah, I think it's so important for us to dream and to dream beautiful visions. And, you know, we're guided by our visions and and that's kind of that like third eye that you were talking about that there's a, you know, each of the chakras are interconnected. And so there's a way that our visions and what we see and envision loops into how we act and how we respond and, and just how we are. So I think it's one of the works of our time as well is to pay attention to where our mind is going. And we're living in a time where, you know, our attention is is like the highest commodity, you know, all of the, all of the <laughs> technologies are, are in high competition for our attention, for where our eyes are landing, for what, how long we're looking at an ad, you know, all those things. So it's such a precious, precious commodity. And it's an incredibly important tool as a witch, your conscious awareness, where you're putting your attention your visions that you're casting are are absolutely critical. So yes, we can't create it until we imagine it. So we have to first imagine it. We have to imagine and ask ourselves, well, what does a healthy culture look like? And what does a yummy relationship feel like? How, what does it like, what do I see around me? What do I envision when I feel myself safe? 
when I feel myself in a safe relationship, what is, what is that? And I think that's again, where the plants can help us because like you mentioned, some of us have never actually tracked safety in the body, or some of us have never experienced like unconditional mothery love or grandmother love, let's say. And the plants actually give us that. That's like sometimes so hard for people to believe. But again, this is what I find with my apprentices is thousands of people, you know, over, over the last few years, they, we sit, we meditate with these different teas, with these different plants. We welcome in these healing herbs and each plant holds a different vibration, a different medicine, a different message. And there are plants that will make you feel unconditionally loved. Which are these plants? Where do we find them? Where do I buy them? Yes. Are they on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> Linden is one of them. Linden. Linden. Okay. It's a beautiful tree. It grows all over the world and is a heart tonic. It's relaxing to the nervous system, regulating the blood pressure. It smells almost like jasmine. When you, when you drink it, you just relax. And at the same time, you feel held. It's tree medicine. It like holds your back. And so with these ceremonies, you know, of, of with, with guided meditation into connection with these plant spirits, people are, are like weeping, feeling this current of love and safety in their body that they maybe have never felt from a human being. And that's okay. Like we're not meant to experience like the full spectrum of love from humans. We're, we're meant to to source and resource from, from the non-human too, and to give that to the non-human as well. Okay. This is so good. So would we say that Lyndon is, I mean, this is really putting you on the spot and it's going to feel horribly reductive, but I just had a quick fantasy of like, we would go up the chakras and do like one plan. It's so reductive. It's not. It's fabulous. I I do this with my students. I take them over 10 months and we go through all the chakras. We spend a month on each chakra. That's a month. We're we're going to do this in like a minute. Which is fantastic. Speed speed plant dating. So, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, so would Linden be for the root chakra and the sense of safety? Yes. It could be one ally for the root. Yes. Okay. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously caveat is that there are many allies for each chakra. I know, so obviously this is not the only one, <laughs> but it's just, you know, as a host, I can't, you know, I just want to, yeah. I want to give listeners tips. Not everyone can get to all of this information, but they can start small. So, so Lyndon for the root, let's move on to sexy time. Awesome. Sacral, sacral. chakra. So sacral chakra is, yeah, the reproductive system, right? So we want a plant that's also a tonic for that. And it's the element of water. And so we want to to have a plant that helps us balance our water. So there's like a toneness and a suppleness that we want our our plant ally to help us with. And well, you know, one plant um, that I adore for the sacral chakra is Shisandra, Shisandra berries, one of my favorites. I remember Shisandra. She's very rousing. Yes. Right. Amazing for libido. And, And also actually she connects with every chakra. She's known in traditional Chinese medicine as, as like the five taste berry, the berry and the medicine that works on all meridians, all chakras. So you can't go wrong with Shisandra, but one of her many gifts is that she, yeah, awakens, awakens vitality and pleasure and, and aliveness and, and libido and, and is a wonderful tonic to the reproductive system. Okay. Amazing. Okay. Then we're going to move up to solar, which is 
How would you describe sort of confidence, individuality? Yeah, the fire element, right? The color is yellow. Well, St. John's wort is a great ally. St. John's wort is also an antidepressant and, and the solar plexus is an area that we want to nourish if we're feeling like depressed and dark and damp and, and like lethargic and kind of like in a, in a dark hole. We want to bring in the sunlight. So St. John's wort does that and is also a phenomenal tonic to the nervous system, helping us heal and strengthen the nervous system, which is something we also often need to do when we are, you know, feeling depressed or just not connected and empowered to our, and connected to ourselves. Yeah, I know St. John's wort is, uh, it's sold at large. Would you recommend people buy capsules or would you get, is there a kind of a raw form that you can get? Do you make a tea? How do you do it? Yeah, you can do all sorts of things. A tea is lovely. Um, if you want a stronger dose and, and for folks who are, you know, wanting a little bit more of that, I recommend like a liquid capsule. Those are really great. And you just have to be a little mindful with that plant has some counterindications. So if you are on Prozac or other antidepressants, then you want to be mindful of that. Mm, mm, good point. And um, okay. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. The plant for the heart. Uh, heart Well, you know, rose. (laughs) I mean, it's just the obvious Uh, one. I guess it's not that hard after (laughs) all. But cacao is another amazing heart tonic. Um, Linden actually is a heart tonic as well. It regulates blood pressure and opens the heart. There's so many. But um, but yeah, rose. Let's talk about rose. Um, You know, one of my favorite ways of drinking in rose is actually with a rose hydrosol and water. So I, I sell this on my website and this this beautiful rose hydrosol from Bulgaria. It takes like, I think like 4,000 pounds of rose petals that they steam to make one pound of this liquid. So you just put like a, like a couple tablespoons into a whole pitcher of water and the whole water becomes rose water. And it's so blissful and relaxing and, and softening and opening. And yeah, just really, really beautiful. I mean, on that, would you be willing to do like a renegade mission with me and like spike the LA water system with roses? <laughs> totally. <laughs> I've had all sorts of fantasies that are very similar to that. <laughs> like a little LSD and some really intense roses, something like that. Which is the roses? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I remember that hydrosol, just next level. Yeah. Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Um, I always like the idea of, of roses being kind of a, a teacher on on beauty or kind of inner beauty. Yeah. You know, at the different stages of their of their lives, I think kind of corresponds to to our aging process as women and helps us see it in a kindlier way because there's that, you know, all the stages of roses are pretty beautiful. Even that last stage where the petals have dropped off and they're like gnarly and thorny. Yes. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So it's a lot. It's a teacher about regeneration, too. You know, uh-huh. is a teacher mm-hmm. about how to ride with these regenerative currents. How do we renew ourselves? And, and you know, um, it, you can't have thriving roses if you don't cut them back in the fall. And, and it's so hard to cut them back because they're still pretty. And here, like in L.A., we could just keep giving them fertilizer and they'll keep blooming. But for them to be full of this, like, unapologetic, fierce vitality... We do need to cut them back and then they look like these sticks sticking out of the ground. You know, they look quote unquote ugly, but it's the allowing of ourselves as well to lay fallow and not be constantly producing or performing that allows us to then when the time comes in the spring, sprout back in ways that we can't even imagine. 
Oh, I love that. Permission to not be in bloom 24-7. Yes. Permission to not be perfect. Please. Yes. Yes, More of that. We really need that. Okay. I'm going to keep us on track here because we're (laughs) moving up through the heart, Mm -hmm. up into throat voice. I can't imagine what the plant would be. Mm, So the throat chakra. Expression. Yeah, expression. Um, But, you know, the balanced throat chakra actually has a perfect balance between like an expression, an authentic expression from the heart and the wisdom center with balanced with silence, balanced with deep listening, like the ability to listen beyond the words and and the ability to listen just also beyond the human. So I think often when people think of the throat, they're so focused on like, I need to express myself. Singing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like I, and I need to yell and affirm my truth, but like really a balanced throat chakra has all of those components. And my favorite herb for the throat chakra or one of them would be thyme. Yes, a very ordinary plant that anyone can find, if not in their Mediterranean garden, then in their kitchen cupboard. But thyme leaf is makes like the most delicious tea, especially if you get a fresh, some fresh springs of thyme and put hot water and then add a little honey, which is also very soothing to the throat. It's so delicious. And time also is a digestive. So the throat chakra and the solar plexus are very connected. And like for us to express truth, we actually need to know our truth. So there's a way that the time actually connects a lot of these chakras together. It tastes amazing. It's healing. It's very purifying to the throat. If you feel any sickness coming on, you drink some thyme tea and it'll disinfect it. And one of the kind of purposes of the throat chakra is purification. So that herb is just wonderful and drinking it before you have to speak or sing or listen it calms the nervous system brings you into your body it's an amazing ally for the throat oh that's amazing i never realized thyme had such special properties i always thought of it as kind of just an additional cooking herb totally understand so that's great i'm going to try that Okay, so we have two more. We've, we're going up into the third eye. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, so imagination, cosmic travel. How else would you describe yeah, the third eye? The I mean, third eye, yeah. The color is, is this indigo. The it's the dreaming. Yes, it's the visions and the envisioning. So the third eye is, is what do we see and what do we project? What visions do we cast out? And yeah, the, the third eye that's in balance is able to also see beyond the veil. And one of my favorite herbs for the third eye is passion vine. And for those of us who have seen the passion fruit flower, it is so cosmic and it has oh, the purple and white and it has like three different layers. It's so beautiful. If you haven't seen it and you're listening, just Google passion flower because you'll be blown away. It looks like a spaceship. And so it's very cosmic and it works on the nervous system. And the third eye, we connect it in, in my tradition of herbalism to the nervous system, to the brain. And, and we want to work with plants that are consciousness shifting, that bring us into deeper states of being so that we're not just in like the beta brain waves of productivity and talking, but so that we also have experiences in the alpha brain wave states of creativity and in the theta and in the delta. And so passion vine shifts consciousness and gets us out of these uh, very linear places and, and, and is actually also an aphrodisiac and really just kind of gets us into this dreamy, watery, creative, relaxed state. Amazing. And, and just on this, I know we could do a whole podcast in, on this and maybe should. When I think about dreaming and projecting out visions, you know, that, that brings to mind this 
word that is used a lot in our kinds of circles, manifestation, which I always feel can go a little too too far in the, I'm going to lay down my will and my vision uh, in a way, almost like ignoring the conversation around it. So for me, I prefer the sort of dreaming into being mm. or, you know, having a dream and having a vision, but also sort of allowing it to remain in conversation with whatever's unfolding and in time. Yeah. As opposed to just that sort of, I think that in the moment that we're in now, particularly with the plant medicines and the heavy hitters, there are a lot of downloads and there are a lot of visions and yeah, some of them are some of them are spot on and literal and some of them are actually more metaphorical and some of them are tricky. Sometimes you're getting tricked in some way by your own mind or by the plant and its effect on your mind. So I guess what I'm really inviting in seeing if you're in agreement about this is, is sort of a note of caution around that, 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 that visioning is such an amazing thing to do, but there's the vision, there's that sort of unadulterated pureness of seeing something kind of unfold in your mind's eye, whether it's a wish or just something you're receiving. And then there's the unfolding over time and space, which it has its own, you know, uh, reality to it. And and I think it's the sort of the weaving of those two levels of experience, sort of, sort of the vertical and the horizontal um, is where the, the art of this whole thing is really. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it speaks to like how removed I am from the new age kind of manifesting <laughs> love on it. I was like, wait, well done. Um, I absolutely agree. And, um, and, and it, and it, I think this exactly speaks to kind of one of our first points around plant medicine that, that, um, you know, like can be stronger in psychedelics where if we aren't grounded, then whatever visions we're receiving in the third eye, like our third eye can be blasted open. And if we don't actually have a relationship with the earth, with reality, with our community, with how we impact others mm-hmm. around us, then we can become delusional. And, and we can actually also cause harm by, by following something um, that isn't grounded in, in the earth. And, you know, one of my kind of favorite examples of like that, I think an extreme are, are these, all these guys in Silicon Valley who are obsessed with going to Mars. I'm just like, you know, and, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but I've been watching them for years, like getting really into smart, smart drugs. Right. And, and, and this whole kind of obsession with, with, um, accelerating their brain. And from the moment, I mean, this was eight years ago. I was like, they need kava kava. Like if they're going to do that, if they're as above, so below, if they're going to blast themselves out and push their brain into these states, they need to equally so be slowing down their nervous system and going into places. Uh, so kava kava, it's a root, but it slows you down. Yes, it's so, a yeah, wonderful, okay. grounding, magical root from the Polynesian mm. isles and cultures. Uh, but that was kind of at the time what I was observing. And, and, I, and I said eight years ago, I was like, the next thing they're going to want to leave this earth. They're going to want to leave and go to Mars. And this is exactly what's happened. And, and so it's, it's like that lack of groundedness. There's such fantasy about what has, what does Mars have? What it's like, we have the garden of Eden around us and it is asking us for us to be in relationship to it. So anyways, that's kind of an extreme example of, I think, um, an ungrounded third eye yeah. And actually, if I may just add to that, I mean, it brings out the sort of 
a momish quality in me. It's like, it's just a bit rude, you know? It's like you've been given this planet, this beautiful planet that needs a lot of attention and love. And you're willing to sort of say, oh, well, it's kind of trashed and it's faulty. I'll leave it behind I mean, it's and the, move on to it's the next. Terrible. It's really toxic. It's the next yeah, wave of colonialism. It's, really it's just, it's colonialism yeah. continued. And, you know, I saw a great yeah. paper sticker that I loved and it said, no other planet has chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's enough to keep me here. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. But I think to, there's a lot to keep us here. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to say, you're going to go to the crown. I was, was going to go to the crown. Yeah. 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 So yeah. a plant for the crown um, is blue lotus. And, mm. and that's a beautiful ancestral plant from, from Africa, native to the Nile. And it's grown these days in, in Thailand and Sri Lanka, um, Hawaii. But it's a beautiful, medicinal, very sacred plant that is not wild and abundant like nettles and the other plants of the root chakras. So we use it more rarely, but it's been used for thousands of years to connect us with the divine. It's a huge heart opener as well. Um, the pharaohs would be buried with it. There's all sorts of hieroglyphs of blue lotus and the kind of the origin stories of, of Egypt and, and of the Egyptian origin stories of the world. I should say, are that the whole planet was this, was the planet of just darkness and water. And, and from that muck, the lotus bloomed. And from the center of the lotus, the sun and the sun god was born. And if you look at a blue lotus, it's the most beautiful kind of colors of lavender, lilac, and purple. And then the inside is the most striking, vibrant yellow sun-like center. Gosh. I just want to dive into a blue lotus right now. <laughs> yes. Okay, I've got to stay, stay on track. Okay, I know I'm taking a lot of your time. I was just, oh, your wisdom is amazing. Um, there's two things I really want to cover um, before we conclude. One is just a little bit more practically about your online school, what it involves, because I'm sure that people are going to want to check that out after this. And then I want to move into our little Let's play psychics conclusion. So uh, let's go first with the school. Sounds great. Yeah. So, so the school of the sacred wild, um, it is a 10 month long online journey. So folks can join us from all around the world. And we also have amazing in-person community and mentors who are second or third year students. And, and so there's a lot of in-person hands-on medicine making, plant walks, rituals. It's, it's really beautiful. It's, it's both a personally healing and transformative journey. And it's also a course in folk medicine and, and herbalism and um, plant shamanism. Yeah, students receive a, a packet of three or four different herbs each month. And at the start of the month, we sit in ceremony online live and everyone drinks the teas together and I guide them into connecting with the plant spirits. And then we have time to journal and share. And it's so kind of amazing to just be like, wow, the plant spirits show up, you know, even, even on Zoom, even when we're connected through Zoom. And, you know, of course, they're showing up also because the people are drinking them. But what's incredible is once we learn these techniques, you know, sometimes students, I just had a student last opening ceremony who was like, I didn't have this plant. And I was able to drop in and receive the energy and the vibration and the spirit of this plant without even drinking the tea. So the whole course, you're learning the language of the plants, you're developing that intimacy with the earth, and it's just remarkably, magically healing and transformative. And 
one of my favorite things about it is like, it just, what happens is different for every person because we're all different. And, and like the unlocked gift in each of us is unique. And, and so it's just remarkable to kind of be able to relish and, and just delight in this community where we're held in, in a really safe container. We're able to go really deep and we're able to celebrate and feed that part of us that is wild and vital and untamed and then be in the discovery of, of what blooms and who we are as we bloom in that place. Gosh, I want to say congratulations. I mean, it's really amazing what you're doing because it sounds like you're establishing a global community here. And so it, you can do this course wherever you are in the world and you can not only be connecting with the plants and the planets, but also with the people. And um, yeah, so it feels like this really sort of multi-dimensional kind of community yes, definitely. experience. And I definitely want to do it. And then what you buy the plants online and you drink with them. and Yeah, or you get the mail. Sort we, of support yeah, we mail the herbs to students as well. Yeah. yeah, there's there's so many kind of aspects and components. There's like a whole kind of journal that allows you to learn how to map your time with the moon. So there's a lot of it is how to like we're untethering from these linear capitalist ways of pushing ourselves and we're reweaving ourselves deeper into the regenerative currents of nature. And so we're working with plants that, yes, take us through the chakra system, but also connect us to each of the seasons and the energies of the seasons. Sounds incredible. And, and you had this, I keep trying to remember it, there was some kind of poetic analogy around the idea that all of the meditators and all of the students over the globe would serve as like little acupuncture needles somehow like yeah. getting back to the earth or something yeah. like, well, what was that? Well, it's, it's just kind of this vision that I'm always being shown when we're in ceremony together with the, with the coven, with the school and we're meditating and we're all drinking, like when we all drink Linden together, right? It's the first plant we work with. We're all drinking Linden. We're all over the globe. We're all in meditation at the same time. And we're all inviting in this energy that is creates deep safety, love, relaxation that connects us often to our grandmothers and ancestors. And so often, you know, with my eyes closed, as I'm guiding us into connection with these spirits, I see us as like these little, yeah, acupuncture points, like sometimes like also like little stars that make up a constellation and we're, we're hugging the earth from all directions and we're bringing down the heavens. We're bringing these cosmic energies of these plant spirits into our body and therefore into the earth and into our home and our family and our community. Amazing. Amazing. Is this the psychic vision? If we're doing Let's Play Psychic and it seems like you are quite psychic, tell me, is there anything else that you see happening when you think about your work and your you know, that, that greater vision for, for the planet. Mm. Yeah. Um, when I tune into the greater vision for the future, you know, always beginning with self, always beginning with ourselves. I believe that we are called to marry the heavens and the earth through our bodies and the different traditions of Tantra, the tradition of my herbalism, they teach us this. And it's this it's really what we're here to do as humans. And, and the trees actually teach us this too, right? Because the trees draw down the light of the cosmos, the sun and the starlight, and they make leaves and bark out of starlight. 
You know, like a tree isn't made out of the earth. The tree is made out of starlight and sunlight. And then the tree draws up the energies of the earth and releases them into the cosmos as air, as oxygen. So this marriage of above and below, which the ancients speak of in so many different ways and the plants open us to, is really, I believe, like the the point of beginning. And that makes us more vast. It makes us more powerful. It makes us more responsible for our environment, for our energy. And it brings us into communion with with all that is and, and into that conversation with the mystery. And then, you know, visioning more kind of collectively, I, I believe that the great work of our time right now is to compost together, to compost and midwife the death of systems of oppression and, and capitalist and patriarchal systems that cause people to suffer. And, you know, it's not like women are not the only victims of the patriarchy. Men are deeply wounded and hurt by the patriarchy and by, and by the capitalist culture of, of continual extraction, of extracting resources from the earth, extracting resources that are non-renewable. So I believe that actually a lot of us are being called to kind of, you know, roll up our sleeves and become midwives of death. How can we compost? How can we kind of accompany these ways of being into a place where they can rest and be composted and something new can arise? I am right there with you. I'm your sister in compost, composting patriarchy. Yes. <laughs> good one. <laughs> uh, it's such good work that you're doing. I'm so, so happy that you came on the show to share it with us. And I want you to also share with us, how do we find you? Uh, you can find me on my website, schoolofthesacredwild.com. You can also find me on Instagram if you look at my name, Marisha Mirnowska, which is quite a spelling thing, but it's that I'm there and I share a lot. Those are probably the best ways to find me. Yeah. Fantastic. And I'm not letting you disappear without telling us about your serum. Where yes. we? How do we? Thank can you. I have some, please? Yes, you can. <laughs> it's amazing. You can find the serum at sacredritual.com. It's spelled like in French. So it's the word sacred and then ritual, R-I-T-U-E-L.com. And this face serum is amazing. It's totally changed my skin and everybody who uses it. And it's made of 100% pure, organic, raw, cold-pressed, the most luxurious plants that have been used for thousands of years. And um, I made it with this, like, you know, as a formulator, like this, there was kind of this like nerdy part of myself that was like, oh my God, I want to make something that's like the best. And that's taking zero shortcuts and like the cost of ingredients is just not even a thing in question. And so there are no filler oils, like so many you know, serums out there will be like, oh, and it has a rose hip, which, you know, many people know is so anti-aging. But if you look at the ingredients, there's like other oils that are not that great, that are the bulk of the serum. And this is like pure rose hip seed oil, organic, cold pressed, unrefined. It's pure baobab, moringa, jojoba, passion fruit seed oil, raspberry seed oil. And then they're infused in these herbs that speed up the regeneration of our skin cells and that like help heal scars and balance oil production and are incredible. 
So it's like a totally magical potion. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, I guess the plants are going to make us beautiful too. I mean, yeah. if we weren't incentivized yeah. before, we really are now because we know how important beauty is. Um, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I, I can't wait on that one. And thank you, darling. Yeah, thank Yay. you so much. Thank you so much. It's wonderful having you. <laughs> <laughs> 